You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome in Chicago Bears fans to a rough start to the season. This is a new post-game show. Robert Schmitz, of course, has moved on to the Bears blog. This is not your average Bears post-game show. I will be your host throughout the season, Bill Zimmerman. And today we are bringing in the big boss man, Lester Wiltfong, to help dissect this game because this was an ugly one. We've got a lot to get into. We will look for some positives. I promise we will try to find some. But there are not many to be had after a brutal, just absolutely brutal dismantling by the Green Bay Packers, 38 to 20. And a lot of times, especially in the second and third quarter, it felt like it was not even that close. It was absolutely brutal. So, Lester, I'll I'll bring you in here. We'll start the conversation. How are you feeling after quite a letdown? You know, when you asked me to do the first show with you, I'm, I, I was hesitating because I'm like, it's the Packers, man. There's a there's a good chance it's going to go like it went, and it went <laughs> like this, and I just knew. But you know what? I, I'm here. Um, the post game is rough, man, especially after a man, 38 to 20. I mean, I, I picked the Bears as did I think all of our guys picked the Bears, but we all thought it'd be a close game and. I didn't think it'd be a blowout. No, I, I didn't think it'd be a blowout. And before I get into the specifics, I, I just need to get this off my chest. And, and I think, you know, you, you're you're old enough. We're in at least in the same ballpark of age. I am really sick and tired of almost all my Bears Packers positive memories being when I was a child. I am in my mid-40s. I, I should not have most of my memories from when I was a child. Like, I will remember William Perry catching the touchdown pass for the 85 Bears against Packers. Like, I, I remember a lot of these fun moments that they had because once upon a time, and I said this on my podcast last week, once upon a time, the Bears in, in the 1980s and into the early 90s, they were the better football team year in and year out. And Mike Ditka and his team, they pounded this team regularly. Now, it was only for six, seven, eight years not 30, but I just, I really just needed something to hang my hat on and be like, okay, the Favre Rogers era is over. And Jordan Love has some nice statistics and we'll get into his game. There were a lot of issues with Jordan Love, but it didn't matter because Matt LaFleur outcoached this team, you know, from top to bottom, the Packers outcoached the Chicago Bears. There were questions all over the place and the issues that we at Windy City Gridiron had been highlighting for months about, yes, they've improved here, they've improved here, they've improved here, but the offensive line and defensive line could still be problematic, and that was before Tevin Jenkins went down. And the trenches, Lester, I want to start with the trenches because you're my trenches guy. I love the trenches too. Both sides of the ball, you can pick where you want to start, but the Bears in the trenches did not get it done today. Yeah, I was doing the show uh, on on the PSF app. That's a thing we're new to now. In the whole time, I was talking about the trenches because – the first half it was close to the first half. I mean, you know, you're like, okay, there's the Bears are in the game, but 
the trenches were dominated by the Packers. You know, they just didn't have the points to show for it. You know, they couldn't stop the run. And on offense, you know, they weren't doing enough to protect Justin Fields. They weren't doing enough to kind of open up running lanes. And just where is the depth here? I mean, the Ryan Poles depth that he picked up last year, we both had a lot of questions with that. He made some moves this year, but a couple injuries here and there. And now all of a sudden you're like, you know, where is it? Lucas Patrick got dinged up towards the end of the game. He was limping around. I'm not sure if that's going to affect him long term. I'm going to assume it is because it's Lucas Patrick. Who knows? But just it's rough, man. I mean, you, you I want an O-line that is just nasty and sure. get after you and just, you know, spend your draft picks on O-lines. Spend your draft capital on O-lines. Spend your free agency on O-line. And, yes, they were in year two of the rebuild. And, you know, yes, he signed Nate Davis and Darnell right at, at, in the draft. But I want more, man. I, I want I want big, nasty dudes up front doing big, nasty things to a defense. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And if I look at the offensive side of the ball, for again, you know, I, I'd like to go back and look at the line a little more carefully. You try and keep your eye on as much as you can. But from what I saw, Darnell Wright had kind of a game that I would expect. It was very up and down. He got worked a couple times. He made yep. a couple nice blocks a couple times. That's what you're going to expect out of this rookie here for the, the, at least the first half of the season. These tackles, rookie tackles, you know, they rarely miss in the first round. You know, Darnell Wright is a safe pick. He should develop into at least a very good lineman, but it's never right out of the gate as a rookie. So he's going to have moments like that. Nate Davis, you know, looked okay. I didn't see anything, you know, off that jumped off the page, good or bad either way. But I will say the interior line did not get pushed. And it wasn't just those two stupid plays that I did not like at the beginning of the game with Komet and Fields back-to-back. There was no push there. But there really wasn't any push. Even when running backs were making nice plays, there wasn't a lot of downfield push from that interior offensive line. So I'll just kind of lump all three of those guys together. And then swinging over to the left side, Braxton Jones had a bad game. You know, it's not what you want to see. I've said this kind of this all off season. Braxton Jones really needs to show significant signs of improvement this year. And what I mean by that, he was not bad last year. He was a very pleasant surprise, especially fifth round pick and how good he was for an entire season as a rookie. But there's going to be an opportunity for Ryan Poles to get an incredible left tackle. I love this tackle class coming out. And I'm not looking forward. I'm not jumping ahead 17 games. So don't, don't think I'm, I'm going to be looking ahead here. But all I'm saying is Braxton Jones needs to show signs of growth this year. Today was a regression game. Doesn't mean he's regressed. Today was a regression game. He had 25 yards of penalties. He got worked on a couple plays that resulted in tackles for loss. He had a rough, rough game out there, and that's not what you want to see out of the second-year player who, coming into this first game, was probably the guy that was most reliable because, you know, white hair's old. You know, Patrick is not the guy you wanted at center. Nate Davis hadn't practiced. Darnell Wright's a rookie. That was the guy you were relying on, and he may have played worse out of, out of any of them. What did he have? Three penalties? Four penalties? Three, two, at least three. He had two holdings, and he had the uh, the false start. You know, he he the holds he had, they're both holds. And when I was trying to watch one of the replay, them was flagrant. <laughs> I mean, he, he had like like one of them. He he had the jersey, which if you have the jersey in the framework, near, you know, up up here, you get away. That usually it. goes. But he had him in the back. He was pulling his jersey in the back. The other one he had, he was like around him. I'm like, oh my god, what is he doing? Just that's bad hand placement, and that's something you can't do, especially with a guy that. You know, he is all about technique. I mean, that's that's why he's there. You know, he's supposed to have better technique than this. Like you said, it was a bad game. 
work on those hand placement. We didn't see the bull rush get them that much this week. I guess that's a positive. I guess we have to say there, but but you know you got to get the hand placement in. You you you, you got to be better than that. And like you said, he's the guy you're counting on. He's old reliable. You know, he's the guy you expect to be at left tackle. The Bears expect him to be the guy that you don't have to worry about anymore. It didn't happen this week because three penalties and you know the whole line, like you said, the interior didn't get the push. Just rough, a rough, a rough, uh, rough day of the trenches. Yeah, and switching on to the other side of the ball, but staying in the trenches, this this defensive line, you know, overall some of the statistics on stopping the run aren't going to look horrible because they they for some reason had Dylan pretty well contained, but but Jones just absolutely gashed this yeah. team, and if he would have played more it could have gotten uglier for some reason, Matt LaFleur after that first drive where Aaron Jones just pummeled the bears on his own, did not give him the ball again, the rest of the half. I don't know why maybe he was a little banged up and LaFleur didn't want to admit it. And obviously he has, you know, he gets him back in the game and he plays great. And then he tweaks his hamstring and, and they go with Dylan the rest of the game. Cause there was no reason to even try and get him back out there. So, yeah. you know, when I look at this defensive line, they did not do a good job, you know, stopping the run and they did a, really, really, I'm just going to say piss poor job getting after the quarterback. Now we expected them to not be able to get after the quarterback because look, and, and I tweeted it out because I was frustrated, you know, bring back Terrell Lewis. Cause at least he's a pass rusher. You know, they let him go. They, you know, Rasheen green's not a pass rusher. He's a, he's a run stopper. Demarcus Lord, Demarcus Walker is not a pass rusher, at least from the outside. He's more of an interior guy. And I didn't see him again. I could have missed it, but I didn't see him a lot on the inside at all on, on those third longs. I mean, I was looking at it before the season. I wanted Ngakwe and Lewis on the outside with Walker and, and maybe like Pickens on the inside on third and longs to try and generate a pass rush. Dominique Robinson goes out there. He is quiet as a church mouse. I don't see him making any significant plays on a couple of those nice Aaron Jones plays. He got totally, you know, blocked in and give Jones the outside. He did not set the edge well. There, there were so many problems on the defensive front. And Jordan Love, this young quarterback, it's not his first start, but it might as well be he just had the one last year. Jordan Love, you got to pressure the young quarterback, Lester. You got to get after him and make him make quick decisions and make him screw it up. And they gave, not only did they give Love time, the amount of times you saw Love just be able to beautifully step up into the middle of the pocket to deliver passes. Some of them were still errant, but it was just, there was no pressure. And I know Ngakwe had a couple of splash plays and got a little pressure on his own a couple of times, but he cannot do it by himself. And I just don't know at this point how they're going to generate a pass rush. Yeah. Where was Dominic Robinson? I mean, it seemed like the bears were insistent that that's going to be your other pass rusher. Cause they only made the one move for Ngakwe. You know, you mentioned Walker, they brought in uh, Billings. They signed. These are guys more to stop the run. Rasheem green, another guy more to stop the run. So, what I thought would happen this week, I, I said they have to stop the run. They can't let Aaron Jones run all over him. And it seemed like whenever the Packers wanted to run the ball, they ran the ball. The only time the Bears really had any success is when it was towards the end of the game and the Packers at that point, they were just running out the clock because right. pretty much it's over. So that's why those yards per carry average looks a little worse for Dylan. But, you know, Aaron Jones did what he wanted to do. And, you know, you got to make – Jordan Love play quarterback. I know that's the old adage that the Packers would say about a lot of the Bears crappy signal calls they had through the years, but second start ever, make Jordan Love beat you. 
let's see what he has. Stop the run. Because you knew the Packers were going to try and run the ball. Last year they had in the two games 350, 360 yards against the Bears. They ran all over him with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback. Shut down the run, play in the box, play it tight, make Aaron Rodgers do something through the air. And they didn't do that. And then when they did have a chance to have Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, like you said, where was the pressure? Just just the one sack. Not enough. Not enough. No, it's it's not enough. They need to look if they if Allen Williams like if if they need to start scheming up pressure and and bringing some some blitzes at times. They I better. know it open. It, I know it opens it up, and there's blitz beaters, and I understand what it opens it up to. But you cannot let him just sit back there. I mean, on one of the sacks the Bears had, I don't remember which one it was, but I remember on the replay I counted. It was five seconds. Jordan Love held onto the football for five seconds, and the Bears finally got home and got 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 a sack. You you just can't give a young quarterback that much. You can't give any quarterback that much time. I mean, no. if you were given Kirk Cousins, I'll just pick a middle of the road guy. If you were giving Kirk Cousins this much time back there, Cousins would have thrown for four hundred and fifty yards. Like it's you know you you just can't do that. And before we get into kind of coaching and scheming, because I think that was a big issue here as well. Since we're talking about Jordan Love a little bit, let's talk about the two quarterbacks, Lester, because I know that's what everyone was talking yeah. about leading into this game. A lot of Bears fans were chirping at Packers fans, and I just kind of sat there. I was like, we're playing with fire as a fan base, guys. We're playing with fire. And Jordan Love, to me, what I saw, and when you look at the stats at the end of the game, you'd be like, wow, Jordan Love played pretty well. I think the stats were significantly better than he was. I think yes. Jordan Love was okay. He made a couple nice throws, but he was largely mediocre. He had a lot of errant passes. He missed a couple things. Like it, it was fine. Like if I'm a Packers fan and I saw what from what I saw from Jordan Love, I'd be fine with it. But as a Bears fan, what I will say is, and this is after years of him sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, I did not see this the potential for this magical third-in-a-row quarterback that is going to be headed to Canton one day. I didn't see it there because I don't see anything that Jordan Love does that's special. He can work within an offense. I think Matt LaFleur, we'll get into Matt LaFleur. I think Matt LaFleur puts together a fantastic game plan, runs a fantastic offense, and I think Jordan Love will be able to operate within that. But I think most of the Love success this year is going to really be LaFleur more than it's going to be him. So before we get to Fields, give me your, your thoughts on how Love looked today. Yeah, at one point, Jordan Love, it was it was late in the third quarter. He was less than a 50% passer at that time. You know, he had missed a few. He missed a few high. He missed a wide-open shot down the sideline for that, you know, probably could have been a touchdown. You know, he missed some plays. And But you know what? It's a second-ever start. Yeah, he has a, a four-year pro. He's been around the system for a long time. You expect him to struggle, and he struggled. His overall numbers, if you, like you said, you look at his numbers, they weren't bad. 245 yards, three touchdowns, passer rating which is not the greatest stat, but, you know, 123.2. The numbers show that he was okay. And as as fans, if you're a fan of the Packers, you look at that and say, hey, th those are good numbers. But like you said, during the game, he missed some shots. It wasn't there. Um, I will say this, man, that one where he he dribbled it like a basketball and he, and, he, and he made a play, that was very Aaron Rodgers-esque. That's something yeah. that when that happened, I'm like, of, of course. Of course this is what Jordan Love's going to do to the Bears in his first start. Dribble the ball and then throw a strike. I'm like, come on, that that's just a a typical thing that that's very Bearsy thing to happen there. So um, overall, I think he showed some promise, but you know, it's it's hard to say at this point if he's going to be the next guy. The odds of getting three Hall of Famers 
quarterbacks are have to be astronomical. So as a Bears fan, I hope to God it's not going to happen. But based on one start here, I don't think he's got it. But who knows at this point? Yeah, the, the odds are definitely astronomical because you know you, you don't have back-to-back quarterbacks go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's there's the Packers. Luck was on his way with Manning there and with with Indianapolis. You have you know Montana, and then into Steve Young. That that's pretty much it. There might be someone from 1946 that I'm not thinking about, but this what what the Packers did rarely happens. It certainly doesn't happen for 30 years. So having a third in a row would be, yeah. I mean, I don't even think you can calculate the odds. I don't but, even want to think about it. No, I it's don't. So like depressing. that was the thing. Like we did, I did the the five questions with the enemy enemy yes. piece and, and and working with 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 the Packers with Acme Packing Company. They actually asked. They said, what would the, what would the Bears fan base reaction be if Jordan Love was a third straight Hall of Fame level quarterback? My response, and it was a quick one, was just don't even speak that into, into existence. No, like, no. no, we can't even talk about that because it would just, I mean, I, I think this entire fan base would just give up. And I couldn't blame them. So for all you listening live, we appreciate you. Keep keep on listening, you know, and join us in the vent session about what we just witnessed for the last three hours. If you've got comments or questions, make sure you drop them in there. We'll get to some questions later if you guys have any to talk about this game. But Lester, let's switch over to the other quarterback, our guy, Justin Fields. This was an interesting game and kind of an odd game for Fields. You really had to like what he had out of the gate. I did some, I tried to do some quick numbers off the, the play-by-play. I think he started off eight for 10 for 95 yards. Most of those were short passes, but he did work the ball down the field on a couple of occasions, ran a little bit as well. You kind of saw something coming together for fields there in the first half. And then the wheels just fell off the bus for me. Second half just looked like the 2022 Chicago bears on so many levels. The only thing that was working offensively was fields running up the field for seven, eight yards at a time and sneaking out of bounds. You know, when he did throw the ball down the field, we have to be fair. Justin uh, fields is pick six. He earned every bit of that. I know Quay yeah. Walker had an incredible run back. That was a terrible throw. He had a couple errant throws right before that as well. Way too high to chase Claypool. So Justin fields, it was a little bit of a tale of two halves that second half was very forgettable, and it's early. We are certainly not going to sit here after one game and say Justin Fields is not the guy, but he certainly didn't put any doubts to rest today with an up-and-down game. Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan Poles trusts in Justin Fields as his guy. That's kind of why he built around him this offseason. But, you know, it's it's not – it's not like he can't pivot if he had to pivot. So, I mean, this is a huge year for Justin Fields. He has to go out there and he has to show that, you know, the investments they made in, in his supporting cast. And, and I know we're talking about the O-line. We're not happy with what's going on there. But, you know, when they're healthy, when they're back, it, it's a better unit up front for him. So he's got to go out there and prove it. He's got to go out there and make the plays. And and early on, I thought he was efficient. A lot, a lot of short stuff. I'm not sure how much of that is the play calling, how much of that is what he's trying to, trying to take what the defense gives him. Um, but then in the second half, like you said, the wheels did fall off. Um, some of his passes were bad. The pick six was definitely on him. It looked like he just kind of stared his guy down too long. He didn't come off the, the read there. And, you know, at, at that point. Double coverage, yeah. Double coverage. So it's like, what what are you doing with that play? Like, why even throw that ball? You know, I, I don't know, man. It's it's um, 
again, some of this goes back to the play calling. I, I'm not usually a blame the play caller kind of guy, but I mean, there's just some little stuff. Like there was a, a, a quarterback draw like, like late in the game. It's like, what are we doing? Why are we trying to run a quarterback draw when you clearly got to put points up? You know, it's it's just not, there's just, that's not the time and place for that type of play, you know? So he's got to make the plays, you know, we had to get DJ more and more involved. What do you have? Two targets, th- three targets, two, two, two targets, two 25 targets yards, and he caught them you know? both. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I don't want to force the ball to him, but at the same token, he is your wide receiver one. He's the guy that you you spent all that draft capital. He's making all that money. He is the guy. So let's scheme some looks up for him. You know, don't force it, but you know, let's let's work the ball in his hands. You know, where was the jet sweep today? You know, yeah. Why not? Why not run a jet sweep? I'm not saying to more, but to Claypool, to Mooney, to Scott. You know, there's some some fast receivers on this team. You know, that kind of stuff stresses the defense, and I just didn't see it today. No, yeah, I, I didn't see it either. And when when we talk about Fields, and and this is what I was kind of getting at. I believe he was eight for ten for 95 yards, and the rest of the way he was 16 for 27 for 121 plus the pick six. Yes, he had the the, the touchdown pass, but. That, that That isn't okay. Like, yeah. it, there needs to be growth here. And it makes it worse that it was against the Packers. Absolutely. If this was the Atlanta Falcons or something like that, we may not be this bothered. But, but the fact of the matter is, and, and this is what's just frustrating as a Bears fan, is that this game was broadcast to about 85% yep. of the country. It was on almost every television. And everyone sat down and goes, because it wasn't just local Chicago. A lot of national media started hyping up Justin Fields and hyping him up and hyping him up. And like, all right. And these fans are like, you know, these fans in Arizona or whatever going, all right, let me sit down. Let me see what Justin Fields is all about. And they just sit there and they see a very mediocre second half. That that just adds to it for me. But but the bottom line here is, and you know, if we want to kind of talk and transition into play calling here on the off, let's start with the offensive side of the ball. We can do that. And there is certainly some questions here, but at some point, and this is this, and I'm not calling him Mitch Trubisky when I bring this up. At some point with Mitch Trubisky, it was, he needs to overcome things on his own. The, the Mitch Trubisky supporters, and I was one of them for a while, you sit there and say, well, this didn't happen because his line didn't block. This didn't happen because Nagy made a bad play call. This didn't happen because the receivers didn't have any separation. We can easily make excuses for a quarterback because very rarely do you have the, the classic 2018 Trubisky Bucks game where literally everyone's streaking open by 10 yards. That, that just doesn't happen at the NFL level. So at some point, when you look at Justin Fields, and I still am a believer in Justin Fields, and I want to make sure I say that. I am still a believer that this guy is going to put this together. But at some point, when you have DJ Moore and Darnell Moody and Cole Komet and Robert Tanyan and a few decent blockers, and you've got some running back help with Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert, Roshan looked really good today. That was that was great to see. But at some point, even if he doesn't have everything around him, he has enough where you just have to say he's got to overcome it. And right now, you know, we could sit there and look at the Miami game and the New England game and games like that from last year where he he just started putting the ball in his own hands and doing it all himself. But he's got to be able to do it with the arm. He's got to be able to do it with reading the defense. He's got to be able to know when it's a good opportunity to push the ball down the field. And again, 
We don't know if Fields was handcuffed at all. We don't know exactly. We haven't looked at the all 22. We don't know exactly what was going on with the rest of the receivers. There's plenty of question marks. It's tough to have that initial reaction. But my initial reaction right now is Justin Fields has enough to show more than he showed today. And that's where I'm frustrated with him. That's a good way to put it. I mean, we expected a lot. I mean, I wasn't expecting to put a you know, 300 yards passing today and, and four touchdowns. I was expecting him to show growth as a passer. And if we're being honest, this, the, the the quarterback we saw today was pretty much the same guy we saw last year. You know, I mean, he, he made a couple plays with his legs when he had to. You know, I mean, the all-22 will, will be telling, obviously. we got to see what's going on there. But, you know, he missed some guys late. The bad pick, obviously. You know, he is a playmaker. He is – he's the focal point of this offense. And and maybe that's not how they want it to be, but based on the talent around him, based on who he is and, and what he is as a quarterback, he has to be a playmaker. He didn't do it today. No, he definitely did not get it done. And, again, if he played well, could they have closed the gap on all this with all the other issues they had? I don't know. But it certainly could have been more competitive. So while, while we're talking about that, let's talk, let's switch over. Let's talk about the coaching a little bit here, Lester, because, and let's start with Luke Getze. And again, when we focus on Luke Getze and the Eberflus slash Allen Williams defense, I mean, the bottom line, this is all under the Eberflus umbrella and this is the, he's part of it, but the Luke Getze offense here, I was on the fence with him coming into this year. And I have certainly am not leading in a more positive direction after today. I did not like the plan that was put forth. I hated the two. I already said it. I hated those two play calls back-to-back, the Komet sneak and the field sneak. Well, here, let me, let me just ask you this, you know, out of the gate. When they went for it on fourth and short on their own 40 to start the game, giving the opportunity to potentially give the Packers a short field, were you okay with the aggressive play call or were you like, what are we doing here? Pump the ball away. Let me ask you that one first. I like the play call. I like All being right. aggressive in that situation, you know, but you got to live with it. I mean, that's, that's your call. I mean, we'll know more when you hear the press conference, but the, the, the play call, the, the commit thing, you know, it's fine. And the, but, but, you know, do you really trust Lucas Patrick as your guy at center, you know, Nate Davis, you know, I mean, if, if you really trust your, your, your big expensive, you know, right guard and, and your rookie right tackle, you know, turn around and hand the ball off to, to one of your, your tailbacks, you know, Deontay Foreman. I mean, he's he's a tough runner. He may have been the guy to get that. You know, Justin Fields, it looked close. You know, I thought he may have had that first down. The, the refs thought differently. There was no challenge flag. Who knows? But I like the play call. The back-to-back sneaks, though, I wasn't a big fan of that. No, I, I definitely wasn't either. And, and it goes far beyond that with this. I mean, you know, I, I made a joke on Twitter that the Madden AI has finally figured out that all we're going to do is run screens all day. I mean, I don't even know what the total was, but it was screen after screen after screen. There wasn't a lot of creativity with the offense. There's certainly, and again, I don't know if this was Justin Fields' decision or what, but there's certainly, they did not do a lot of effort to try and push the ball down the field. And it was nice to see the screen game working early, but you have to keep a defense honest and and actually throw the ball 10, 15, 20 years down the field from time to time if you want to keep having the screen game work. But eventually they're just going to come up on things. And you saw it like, like uh, the, 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 you know, Greg Olson highlighted the play with with Kenny Clark, where he was just like, nope, and he just he he just read it and just went after it, and, and he shut down the screen. He gave it was able to catch him from behind because these plays were being so diagrammed. 
because they kept going back to the same thing over and over and over again. I just did not like the creativity. I did not like, I mean, basically from top to bottom, what Luke Getze brought to the, the game today, especially when you talk, I, the, the one thing I always think about is you have an entire off season to come up with this week one game plan. And this is the best that Luke Getze could bring us. That, to me, was a very, very rough game from the offensive coordinator. It felt very conservative. Like like he was kind of coaching scared a little bit. Like he was trying to coach sure. not to have, have mistakes happen. You know, that, that's not how you can coach. I mean, Justin Field wants to – I mean, from based on his college experience, he wants to push the ball downfield. He wants to do that. Based on what he did a little bit as a rookie, or we saw a little bit of that too. In, in, in Nagy's scheme, he wants to push the ball downfield. You know, why are you trying to turn him into this a, a dinker and dunker right now? You know, if, if you don't let him do those things, you know, if you're not going to push the ball downfield, like you said, those screens aren't going to work. We saw it. I mean, you talk about how old we are, the John Shoup offense back in the day. That was a lot of screens. And at some point, teams are like, this ain't, this ain't going to work. It's the same crap over and over. That's kind of how we saw it today. I mean, we had a bubble screen to Mooney blow up, uh, one to Claypool got blown up with a blocking issue there. So, you know, teams know these little slip screens, these these, these bubbles are coming. They base on formation. A lot of it is, is coaching tendencies. You know, you see it coming. You're anticipating it. So where's the playoff of that? Where's the turn and pump and go for a, a fade down the sideline? You know, you've got to show them a different look every now and again because these aren't going to work. And then, of, of course, the, the running back screens too. You know, Clark – Clark's a vet. He sees this. This is the same offense he goes against a lot in practice. This is really similar. What he sees, you know, uh, the tendencies are there also from Getzy because that's what he did in Green Bay. So you said you were on defense about Getzy and, and this got worse. This game puts me on defense about Getzy. Like I, I couldn't base what he did last year because last year the offense was so atrocious. The O-line was brutal. The weapons around fields was, was garbage. I think Getzy just did enough to coach to kind of get them through as, as close as possible to the end of the season. But now this year, seeing this game, like you said, he had the whole offseason, and this was the game plan you came up with against the Packers, you know? Now I'm officially on the fence when it comes to Getsy. Yeah, you, you can't have, like, whether you're on the fence or you're out on him, I, I certainly am not going to argue one way or the other, but you can't have a lot of confidence in the guy right now. And, and when you think about it, when you think about Matt LaFleur and, and you look at Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett was an absolute debacle last year in Denver, lost his job after one year. They ate millions of dollars. Luke Getsy has had, and again, I, and I said this frequently last year, I am giving the coaching staff a pass on this entire season because they just didn't have the weapons. They didn't have the roster. They were tearing it down on the fly while having a, a young quarterback. The whole thing was, was an odd approach. It's what it had to be because this is the roster that, that polls inherited, but I was giving them a path. Uh, I'm sorry, a pass uh, on this last season, but to get here now today, when you see Nathaniel Hackett as bad as he was in Denver, and you see these two seasons now of Luke Getze after after this game here and what he had last year, you really have to start to wonder if Matt Lafleur is just really the guy, and he's really good at his job, and his coordinators and coaches underneath him aren't necessarily good. I put that kind of like, and I'm not saying he's Belichick, but in Bill Belichick and all his coordinators continuing to struggle. You know, Sean McVay, I mean, if, if anyone sneezed on Sean McVay, they wanted to give him a head coaching job. Like, this was the kind of things that were happening with these great minds, uh, you know, within the NFL. 
And Matt LaFleur to me right now is starting to look like a guy who's really good at his job and his coordinators and, and QB. I know Lech Getzey was a QB coach, but they may not be quite as important because LaFleur is just so good at what he does. No, that, that's definitely a, a something to think about because, I mean, the Packers just, they keep it going. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening there. They just kind of, the offense is the offense. You know, it, it's a it's a proven offense through the NFL. I mean, the, the Shanahan-esque scheme, you know, there are several teams that run a variation of it, and it's it's successful everywhere it goes. And it's not successful so far in Chicago. Like you said, it's hard to judge last year based on the talent, based on the O-line, you know, based on what they're trying to do. They're trying to put the system in for the first time. But now here we are year two. You know, the league clearly feels high on Getzey. I mean, he was chosen to coach the Senior Bowl. You know, he was one of the, the head coaches there. So league-wide, he has a nice reputation. But those things can, can switch pretty quickly. If he can't pick this team up and and and, and show some growth here with, with DJ Moore, with a healthy Mooney, with uh, uh, Robert Tunyon and Cole Komet, with a, a better tight end group, you know, with the, the, the changes they tried to make up front, if Getzey can't get things going now this year, it may be a time to move on for for the Bears. Yeah, and I, I agree. I agree the league thinks high of Luke Getzey, but the bottom line, Lester, is sometimes the league is wrong. Because yes. I remember when Dave Wanstead was hired, and, and, you know, I understand we're going back 30 years here. When Dave Wanstead was hired, like, he was the coach. Yeah. Everybody wanted Dave Wanstead. He's coming from the Cowboys. The Cowboys were this incredible team. Everyone was sick of Mike Ditka's, you know, shtick. Dave Wanstead was the guy. That was like the guy who was going to bring the Bears to the next level. Nothing but mediocrity and bad games. I mean, let's let's not forget, everyone, Matt Nagy was considered an incredible hire, the Andy Reid tree, and he was going to have this great offense, and he was the guy that was going to mold Mitch. And, and everybody, Not I'm not talking about Bears fans, everybody loved that Matt Nagy hire. Like when you see like, coaches ranks on hirings Nagy was first or second on like everyone's list they love that hire for the Chicago Bears and we know where Nagy got them and I know Luke Getzey's not a head coach I know he's an offensive coordinator but it's the same thing sometimes these guys you know Mark Tressman was considered like a sneaky good hire by some people as well and he may have had some good offensive concepts but he certainly wasn't a head coach like the league can be wrong and yeah. I right now think they are wrong about Luke Getzey I am certainly hoping we're going to see a lot more positives from him and maybe opening up, taking some risks and going, if we turn the ball over a couple times because we're pushing the ball down the field, that's okay because we're we're getting explosive plays and big chunk yardage and they'll offset each other a little bit. But if you're afraid that Justin Fields is going to turn the ball over, if that was the reason why you didn't push the ball down the field, and again, I don't know if it was, but if it was and we're at this point with Justin Fields, then either he needs someone else that is going to trust him or the Bears need a new quarterback if they can't trust him because the synergy there right now does not work for me. Yeah, you got to wonder what's what's going on in the meeting room. You know, what was the game plan? I mean, if, if this is really the best they came up with, this, you know, conservative, you know, try and keep it close, you know, then then what was all that that posturing they had during the offseason, how, you know, Justin Fields is, you know, he's ready to take the next step as a quarterback. You know, they all talked about it. It wasn't just Getty, it was Coach Fluce as well. You know, the players talked it out quite a bit. He, he talked about it, you know, it's but but we didn't see the next step. You know, we kind of saw the same step. I mean, 
we want more. I mean, yeah, his passing yards, 216 yards. You know, I'm not sure he even hit that number last year. So from a numbers standpoint, sure, the numbers look a little better. Uh, 37, it was also pass 37 passes, and I don't think yeah. he hit that number last year. Yeah, again, so <laughs> so he, he ended up there as well. So, you know, maybe he's just slowly building into what he wants to do as a play caller. But, man, it's uh, the fact that it was the Packers this week, it's things so much worse. So, hey, we should take a quick commercial here for the podcast side of things. And then uh, get back on the other side. All right. Sounds good. We'll be right back after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Welcome back into not your average Bears postgame show. And that was not your average Bears loss. A 38 to 20 drubbing of, by the Green Bay Packers of our beloved Chicago Bears. Bill Zimmerman with you and Lester Wiltfong as well. The big boss man of Windy City Gridiron. We've been talking a little bit about the coaching. So Lester, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. That is a, another problem spot for the Chicago Bears because we already talked about it. The pass rush was non-existent. We did not see a lot of effort to try and dial up blitzes or try and get too creative, at least that I saw in terms of trying to get a rush going that continued to, to bring four. A lot of it was pretty much straight up pass rushing. There just wasn't a lot of creativity there. But the bigger problem for me on this beyond the pass rush was – a lot of these decisions on third down, third and long, these soft zones that just left – I mean, Lester, there were Packers that were open by 10 yards. Yeah. Like this, this was – you know, give Jordan Love credit for reading it and throwing the ball, but this is – this was in some cases, this was like I said, Mitch Trubisky against the Bucks, where he had everyone streaking wide open. There wasn't – you know, Love didn't need a lot of times to thread a needle on a pass because there was so much separation. It was really frustrating for me. I think I'm sure some of it is on the players themselves, but I think a lot of it, Lester, is on this defensive scheme and how they approach these, especially these third downs, these third and longs that, that Jordan Love and the Packers were able to convert was just, you know, it, it turns the game. This is not the Tampa two from Levy Smith, you know, but the bones of that defense is, is what coach Fluce wants to do. It's, it's a similar concept bias. He does a lot of different things, obviously on the back end. It's not strictly that, but the, the, the philosophy is the same. They expect their front four to be the pressure. They don't want to blitz. You know, they, they want to blitz as infrequently as possible. They expect the front four to get after it and the back seven to, to know their zones, to know their role, to play the coverages precisely and make plays. They want to, you know, like 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 they did back in the day, catch the ball in front, rally up, make a play, peanut punch it out, and get to turnovers. You know, too many holes in this week's defense. That was the the problem last year with Allen Williams. Is you know where was the creativity? You know, the defense as you had, the talent you had, you knew it wasn't going to work. You just didn't have the horses to do what you wanted to do. So if that's the case, you got to do something creative to, to to get pressure. He didn't do it last year. Okay, maybe he had no one. Maybe he couldn't trust anyone to do that last year. Okay, fine. This year you got T.J. Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds. You know, you have some some guys here. 
You know, you have a, a Jack Sanborn in, in year two here. You have Noah Sewell, who you drafted, you know. Do something with your linebacking core to kind of create some pressure. You know, run some twists and stunts up front. You know, the All-22 will show that. I didn't see a lot of it in the game watching live. Maybe it was there. I just missed it. But, but where were the stunts? You know, Demarcus Walker, you mentioned, you know, he's a guy that thrived in, in years past for the Tennessee rushing from the interior. How much of that happened this week? I, I didn't catch a lot of it. Again, it may have happened a little bit. I may have missed it. There just wasn't enough creativity. You know, you got to make Jordan Love quarterback. I go back to the, what I said earlier. You got to make him make plays. And if you're going to blitz him, you know, make him read the blitz, make him make the right decision. You know, experienced quarterbacks do that. You, you can't blitz Tom Brady. You can't blitz guys like this because they see it. They've seen it before. They know where the reads are. They know the hot. Okay, here comes the guy this side. I know my guy's going to be here on, on a route out here. Jordan Love hasn't seen it. Two starts in his NFL career. This is it. Pressure him. Make him make plays. And the Bears didn't do it. Yeah. And look, here, here's the thing. This is a defensive-minded head coach bringing over a lot of his defensive staff. And when this is the direction you choose to go with a coaching staff, to have a defensive-minded – I want, I want offensive-minded head coaches. I know it didn't work out with Matt Nagy, but at this in this, this era of the NFL, I want offensive-minded head coaches. I wanted Brian Dayball. They didn't want Brian – well – to get Brian Day Dayball, you needed to try and get in Joe Shane, and they they yeah. loved Brian Poles. They wanted Ryan Poles. That wasn't going to happen. I get that, but that's the guy I wanted. You know, Matt Eberflus, like I said, you give him a, a pass on last season because there was just nothing you were really going to be able to do with that roster. But Lester, I look at this secondary as a good secondary, and they yes. flashed up despite having some wide open you know receivers there and some brutal third downs. They flashed a little ability. I like this linebacking core. I didn't like how much they spent on the linebacking core, but you can't sit there and say this is a bad linebacking core. It's I think it's it's much better than league average. It should be good. Yeah, the defensive line is a problem, but when you have talent in the secondary and you have talent at the linebackers, and yeah, you've got Ngakwe, Andrew Billings can stuff a run play. Like you've got a couple pieces on the defensive line that are decent. When you have a defensive-minded head coach, you've got to be able to take that group of talent figure it out and not give up 38 damn points to Jordan Love. You just have to be able to figure it out. That's your bread and butter. You're a defensive guy. You know, you were hired because if you're a defensive guy, your ability as a defensive coach, as a coordinator and, and with the Colts, you know, the, 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 the Bears brass like the philosophy, the hit system that they, they liked all this. They liked that he, that he has a, a, a background in with coach Rod Marinelli, coach Lovey Smith. They like that. But it didn't happen. You know, it hasn't happened in two years now. The defensive side of the ball has been a mess. It's, it's not all on Flus, obviously. I mean, he his guy is the coordinator, but he's the guy. He's at the top. Ultimately, it's his call. It's his decision. You know, we saw Lovey Smith back in the day with the Bears go through off the coordinators like crazy. He, just, he couldn't find the right guy. He went through defense coordinators too quite a bit. So who is Coach Flus? As, as as the head guy, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to at some point say, I'm taking over play calling on defense? You know, is he going to be that guy because the, the Allen Williams ain't getting it done? You got to do something here. And like you said, they did spend the money on defense. They did bring in more talents, you know, TJ Edwards, you know, Tremaine Edmonds. These guys are, are good linebackers, Pro Bowl caliber linebackers. There just wasn't enough done today. There wasn't enough done last season, but we tried to give them that pass, but I think the fact that it's the Packers makes everything sting a little more, obviously, with, with the Bears here week one. 
it's just it's just not a good look for for this franchise. You know, the same old Bears Packers rivalry doesn't matter if it's Aaron Rodgers, Brett Hundley, or Jordan Love. It's just going to always uh, they're going to have the Bears number here. Yeah, you just and like we were saying at the beginning of this podcast, you just you want to just see it flip because you just had hope. You finally got rid of the damn guy. He's he's in the Big Apple. He's not in in Wisconsin anymore. You had hope, and it's that's just what makes it so much worse. Is just how frustrating this was, you know. Even if they had lost on a last-second field goal and lost twenty-three to twenty-one or something, at least you said to be like, okay, they're competitive. You, you could have, you could hang your hat on something, but there just was very little to hang your hat on today. But Lester, we're going to try and find a couple things here as we start winding down this podcast a little bit. And again, if you're listening live, we appreciate you. But if you've got comments or questions, we're going to get to those here shortly before we wrap up. So make sure you drop them in the comments section now. Lester and I will talk about it. But to me, Lester, let's try and find a few bright spots on this. I'll start with one and you can give one. We'll see how many we can come with. I, I don't okay. know if we can each come up with two different ones. <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard, but it might be today. But I'm going to start with Roshan Johnson. I liked how he played. And not just because he had the he had the one you know flash play where he ran over a couple defenders and broke some tackles. That's great to see. But he was utilized out of the backfield as a pass catcher. On the one the, the Justin Fields had that big scramble uh, you know, is in the second quarter. It wasn't like it was a key block on the scramble, but Johnson did a phenomenal job picking up the edge rusher, gave him a really hard pop and a firm block and just stuck on him. And I think he pancaked him. The, 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 the screen went away and it looked like Johnson was starting to knock him, you know, on his butt, but you, I couldn't see it there. It was a great block by him. I really liked his, his all around ability I think he is going to get a lot more snaps now as early as next week. I said when they drafted him, I thought he was going to be RB1 by the end of September. I really think that looks like that could be the case because he's the all-around guy uh, that that I think the Bears need at running back. So what do you think of Roshan, and do you have another bright spot? You know, I, I like Roshan. I thought he had a good game today. Obviously, he came a little late. Um, five carries, 20 yards. He had uh, six catches, you know, 35. Some of that was a garbage time, sure. But like you said, he he, he ran hard. He played hard. Kind of what he showed in preseason. You know, we wanted to see more of him in preseason with preseason with the ones. Uh, but free, I, I'm going to stay with running back. And and I thought Khalil Herbert. You know, he only had 27 yards running the ball, um, but he caught the ball three times, 37 yards. He caught the ball. He looked a little more uh, more natural. And, and whereas in the past the Bears didn't go to him much as, as a receiver. You know, Khalil Herbert. He, he, I think he's trying to hold off Roshan Johnson. I think he understands what's going on here. You know, sure. The Bears draft a guy. You know, that could be the replacement, you know, so he, he worked hard in the offseason. You know, I can't wait to go back and watch the All-22. I want to see how, how he was as a pass blocker because he was really bad at that early on in his career. So if he has improved his pass blocking and now as well as he's improved his catching out of the backfield, you know, that's that's pretty good. And then, if, you know, that, uh, Deontay Foreman, he didn't do much today, you know, but I think the Bears running game still can be a strength of this team. Yeah, and switching over to the defensive side of the ball here, you know, I, I, and I'm with you, you know, the running game had shown some flashes. So I, I think there's a potential that it could, I don't know if it's going to be number one in the league again, but it has the potential to be, to be solid. But defensively, I think that the number one guy for me today was Yannick Ngakwe, not just because he had the sack, but he, he got some pressure. He actually had a, a you know, a, another tackle for a loss. He made some impact plays 
he's the exact reason why you brought him in and paid him $10 million because, you know, that's the type of thing he can do. He can get to the quarterback and they clearly desperately need that out of him this year. They certainly, he can't do it alone. They need some more. And I'm just looking at the box score here. TJ Edwards had 14 tackles. Yeah. He was all over the place. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, that's what he is in in Philly. He was a tackling machine. Yeah. You know, the, the couple, I think he got burned on the angle routes. You know, there, there's no way a linebacker can cover that guy in the back. I know a lot of people on social media are going to, are going to rip TJ Edwards for that play. Linebackers cannot cover. That is an uncoverable route. I, I was begging the Bears for years to run Tariq Cohen on that option out of the backfield because sure. you you can't cover hit. It's just impossible. The, the running back goes right at the at the linebacker, whichever way the leverage is. You go opposite, you're open. You know, and, and, and unless the defense is set up for that with a zone, you know, uh, right there waiting for it, there's nothing you can do. So TJ's going to get ripped a little bit, I'm sure. You know, through social media and through the national media, they're going to talk about what he did there, but. He made plays, you know. Yeah, he made plays, and another guy that made plays, Tremaine Edmonds. You know, he yeah. had he was got in the backfield a couple times. He wrapped some guys up. He got some, you know, got some stuffs there and kept the ball at the at the line of scrimmage. You know, short gains, one two yards. He was active out there. He made an impact. Obviously, it wasn't enough. They scored thirty eight points, but it was good to see. To me, the two guys that really stood out to me was Edmonds and Ngakwe on the defense. Yeah, I was going to mention Edmonds as well because I just thought he was uh, he was physical. Um, you know, you you could tell that his presence was felt. You know, the, the plays that he made, the tackles he made. You know, when he when he came up to hit you, you know, you knew you were getting hit by by Tremaine Edmonds. So it was a it was a good debut for him. Um, you mentioned TJ with the fourteen tackles. You know, I I didn't expect to be as high. Then, like I said, I look back at the, at the stat sheet too, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I could see that happen. And so, you know, it's. Uh, there wasn't a lot of bright spots overall on, on the Bears defense, but you know, the fact that they were kind of there, they were still competing, they're still fighting. It's good. We just gotta see what happens on next week's the Buccaneers, which is a whole totally, totally different animal. Baker Mayfield, you know, they pulled off a nice win today. Week one is so strange in the NFL. A lot of you know, really weird scores happen and tell you a lot of weird performances, you know. So who are the Bucks? I mean, we'll find out next week with the Bears. All right, we're going to get to some questions here, and then Lester and I will give you our final thoughts, and we'll wrap up here. So let's get to some questions. Let's start with a, a Kusai24, who says, how long until the 2024 draft? I get that feeling. I understand it very well, and here's what I'll say. Yeah, it sucked. The Bears lost to the Packers like this, but the Carolina Panthers lost as well. <laughs> That was a nice way to kick off the, the 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 noon starts there. The Carolina Panthers they had a rough one as well out there. And as long as the Panthers look, this season may not look. It's only one game. The Bears can turn things around. This season may not turn out the way we want. But if the Carolina Panthers keep losing, that's going to be a beautiful thing, Russell. It gives the Bears options. I mean, that's why they made the trade. They want to have those two first round draft picks. So it's a good problem to have if you're Chicago to have those two draft picks there. Then again. What happened with Justin Fields? You know, is, is he going to show he's the guy for sure? If he doesn't, they should be really interesting next offseason because there are like two or three quarterbacks that seem like can't misses right now. But I mean, things can change as the season goes on. Yeah. And look, and this is this is just fun to play with the idea because to me, look, if Justin Fields isn't like MVP level and the Bears have the number one pick, they're going to get rid of him and draft Caleb Williams. But the thought, if Fields does put it together and has this miraculous season and is just, you know, having the Jalen Hurts breakout season, I understand we didn't see it in week one. 
And if somehow the Panthers tank and go two and 15 and the Bears are sitting at the number one pick, the amount they could get for Caleb Williams is so much fun to think about. But uh, odds of that happening are minute. I understand that. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, Lester. But let's do Shabazz Morton because he's got a question for you. Over under on the amount of beverages on, under Lester's desk, 2.5. Is it the under or the over? Uh, it's, it's just the one here. It's just the tea. I'm, I'm a tea guy. You know, I'm not going to try and get too, uh, too tipsy for a show here. Cause, uh, if that was the case, I would get a little out of control. <laughs> All right. How about some guy named Dave? What's pressure on the QB asking for Alan Williams? Because yeah, we've talked about it throughout this podcast, Lester. There just was none. Yannick and Gakwe got in there a little bit, but they've got to figure out a way. If they can't get there with four, they can't let even like Baker Mayfield next week. You can't let him sit back there. If you let an NFL starting quarterback, I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers or Baker Mayfield, they're going to hurt you if they have four or five seconds to throw the football. Yeah, the Bears had one sack uh, on the statue and three quarterback hits. And Jordan Love did not seem to be pressured very much. And, and like I was saying all show, you got to get after him. You got to make him, you know, get him off his spot. I mean, if he can just sit there comfortably in the pocket, he'll make plays. Any quarterback in the NFL will make plays if he's not pressured. I don't care who you are. Jordan Love, you had to get after him, and the Bears didn't do it. All right. How about Kenny here who says, am I wrong for wanting the Bears to tank for Shadur Sanders? We can't get at that after one game, Kenny. <laughs> we just, we're not going there. But I will say this. This is going to be an interesting thing. If, if things start going the wrong way this season, this is going to be something you need to kind of keep track of this year. Because assuming – the Bears don't end up with the first or second pick. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, third or, or worse. doesn't matter if it's the Bears pick or the Panthers pick. If that's where they are, the QB3 in this upcoming draft is a big conversation. Everyone's assuming Caleb Williams is one and Drake May is two. There's nothing at this point in the college football season that is deterring anyone from thinking that way. But QB3 is wide open. It could end up being Shadur Sanders, and he could be a top five selection in the draft next year. A lot of positive, a lot of the, the draft gurus are already singing his praises about what he's doing out there. But the QB3 is, even if Fields is the guy, and they move on. That QB3 is going to be interesting because we know Ryan Poles is not opposed to trading down and getting more. If a, a guy like Sanders or someone else really makes a statement and is going to be that third quarterback that's worthy of a top five pick, and the Bears have one of those, even if they're not going to jettison Justin Fields and go a different direction – if that guy's there for someone else to trade up and get him, it's going to give the Bears options in the next draft. It's fun to think about. I mean, yeah, it's early. It's it's week one. It's something. You, as Bears fans, I'm so sick of looking at mock drafts at this point of a, of a season. Uh, it's one one game, one loss. But you know, with those two picks there, the Bears and Carolinas, you may have a team want to come up. Even if the Carolinas, like I said, even if they aren't the top pick, let's say Carolina finishes, you know three or four or somewhere in there. If a guy like, like Sanders or another one of these quarterbacks are available, you're going to get a mint for that. As long as Justin Fields shows he's the guy this year, and as long as the Bears show improvement, I'm fine. I'm not expecting the Bears to win a championship this year. You know, if, if you go from three wins to seven or eight wins and Fields shows he's the guy, to me that's good for a Bears fan. But after one week against the Packers, it hasn't happened yet. All right, the number one mag general, he's got a few questions here, but the one that I'll bring up, because he asked what's wrong with the Bears offense, we've already addressed that 
it was there was a lot of different things that that caused the issues. The offensive line wasn't good. There, you know, Justin Fields had a bad second half, and certainly Luke Getzey left a lot of questions. But let's do this one, Lester, because I kind of said something earlier. Let's do his his question here. Anyone who the Bears should sign or cut after this, and obviously there's not a lot. There's no impact players that you're going to sign at this point and make a massive difference in this team here moving forward. But, you know, cutting guys, there's bottom of the roster churn guys you can get rid of. That That's fine. I'm not going to sit there and be like, eh, Cole Komet didn't do enough. I cut him. <laughs> that's not where we're at. But what do you think about trying to find a pass rusher, maybe trying to bring Terrell Lewis back, somebody who can be a third and long type pass rusher to try and get some kind of a pass rush out there? Yeah, that's a good name, Terrell Lewis. I think I think the way the NFL structured is if you're not if you're on a roster week one, uh, your entire as a veteran, your whole salary is guaranteed. So that's why you see a lot of teams around the league they make a lot of cuts this week, and that what they're going to do is they're going to bring guys back next week when they don't have to guarantee their full salary. So maybe Terrell Lewis is a guy like this is kind of in that same boat. You know, I, I was a little surprised the Bears cut him for, for one. I was even more surprised that he didn't get picked up anywhere or else along the league. I mean, no, no one wants him. He's just sitting out there. And I thought he showed enough in preseason. I mean, he's a guy that's changing positions, basically. You know, I mean, he went from being a, a three for outside linebacker, which is essentially an edge, same concepts, you know, but he's not having to do the, the past responsibilities that, that they, that some teams ask. He's a, you know, three point stance, hand in the dirt, go get the quarterback. And in preseason, he showed he could do that. Maybe Terrell Lewis, the guy they bring back on the roster. There's an open roster spot. I mean, the Bears just cut uh, Dylan Cole. So technically they have only 52 guys in the roster. There's a spot sitting there open. Presumably it's for a guy like Lewis. Maybe they're going to bring back Cole, which would be you know, not exciting at all. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, and there's guys like Michael Walker who could come back into the mix here. You know, that was a guy that the Bears brought in but waived because he had the big salary like Travis Gibson comes back he get that that lesser salary in there i think that you know is another absolute possibility he's not going to make a massive impact but he he would certainly help the linebacker depth but uh got got a couple more questions here before we wrap up let's do hroth gars i'm probably screwing that up but we'll try it anyway tyreek started strong but lost his edge did dobbs get into his head I'm going to say Dobbs did not get into his head. I understand. I don't know, you know, you know, Stevenson at the end of the game there with the, with the, you know, the, the issue. But to me, this is going to be Stevenson this year because I think he's going to make a lot of mistakes, but he's going to make a lot of plays. He's an aggressive, he's got an aggressive style. He's going to get up on the line of scrimmage. He's going to get you some penalties. Sometimes you're going to get frustrated because it's going to be second and 12 and he's going to get a holding penalty and it's going to, you know, five yards and a first down, like those type of things are going to happen. But Stevenson is the type of guy that yes, he's going to make mistakes and you're going to be, Oh, there's Tyreek getting burned again, but he's going to turn around the next play and make a great pass defended or get in on the, the run and get a tackle for a loss. So to me, it wasn't that someone that he got in his head or lost his edge. I think Stevenson's just going to be a bit of a roller coaster this year. Yeah, this is who he is. I mean, rookie corner struggle. Look at look at Kyler Gordon last year for the Bears. You know, second round draft pick. You know, everyone thought he would come in and just you know be a, a stud off the, out of the gate. And that's not what happens. You know, rookie cornerbacks struggle. You know, they're learning the league. They're learning the players. You know, they're learning tendencies. You know, they have to learn how to play within the system. And he is coming to a new system as well. So he's going to have his moments. 
Uh, like Bill said, he's, he's going to flash. He'll, he'll make some plays. He's a really aggressive player. He's physical. You know, I think by the much like Gordon, by the end of the year, we'll start seeing the, tr- the true Tyree Stevenson. But early on, he's going to get picked on quite a bit. All right, let's do one more question here. Let's do it from Chris. Can we talk about how bad the Claypool trade was? You forget he was even on the team. And I'm frustrated too because I took what I thought was an easy bet there with Claypool over 15 and a half yards. And I mean, he, he was. So did I. I took the same bet. <laughs> he was an absolute no show. I, he had one possibility and Fields missed him, missed him high. But again, this Chase Claypool trade is, is a problem. It was the 32nd overall pick. It would have changed the way Ryan Poles could have approached this draft. And the bottom line is here, he doesn't even look like a wide receiver three. You were kind of hoping he was going to infuse something into the offense this year. I mean, this is a contract year for him. If Chase Claypool is active for 12, 13 games, you know, if he, you know, assuming he gets banged up, you know, he was already in the, in the medical tent today. But if he's active for 12, 13 games and has a couple 300 yards, like that's kind of it for your career. He's going to bounce around from team to team and be the wide receiver four on some teams, but that's going to be it. He's going to start really losing some leverage here. I really thought Claypool was going to, you know, use this to have an opportunity to get a payday, if not in Chicago, somewhere else. I don't want him to get paid in Chicago at this point. I don't trust him if he gets a contract to continue to perform well. I did hear from someone that was at the game that there was a play where Claypool Claypool was running down the sidelines and basically had a temper tantrum. It wasn't on the the television. So I, and I trust this person. I'm guessing that happened. So his attitude may still be having some issues. Maybe he was frustrated that Fields wasn't throwing him the football. But the bottom line here is this Chase Claypool trade. I, I know some people, I've seen some, you know, some talk like, oh, this is the worst trade the Bears have ever made. No, because they traded no. a first round pick for Rick Meyer after that, after he already <laughs> failed. Like there, there are epically bad trades the Bears have made, but this Chase Claypool trade is going to be, to me, it's looking like one of those things. Maybe Ryan Poles is a very successful GM for the Bears. He's got to have one more offseason. This 2024 team is going to be important to see who Poles is as a GM. But I have a hunch that at this point, Lester, that that Chase Claypool trade is just going to be that demerit on his resume moving forward here. I just, you know, I was hoping to see something out of Claypool, and I know it's early. He can turn it around, but I don't think he's going to. Well, can we give him a second demerit for Bayless Jones Jr., who was inactive <laughs> today as a as his first ever offensive draft pick? So, yeah, I mean the, the Chase Claypool trade. I, I took the same bet as you. I, I'm like, come on, it was like 16 yards was over 16, under. 16 I'm like, yards. come on, dude. Chase Claypool had had a rough off season. You know, he was really down. A lot of fans were on him. He had the modeling thing. He had some hamstring issues. He didn't play. But then once camp came. The, the connection with him and Fields was real. Like when you go to camp and you saw what he was doing out there, he was making plays. He was mouthy. He was chippy. I mean, he was. A, he looked like if the, like if there was no DJ Moore, he looked like the wide receiver one. He looked the part. And then of course he gets dinged up again. We don't see him in preseason. Here he is. He's back at practice, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, it's you know he's right back in it where he was." And then here he is, week one. He had no catches. He had I think one target. Um, one of the screens uh, to Mooney, his block was who blew him up. I, I, yep, I yep. mentioned, I mentioned on, on on the show I did earlier uh, during the game. You know, we talk about Braxton Jones is not having an anchor. Claypool had no anchor. He was too high. He didn't get low, and that uh, that Packer DB just blew him back into the play. It was just brutal, and you can't have that. You know, if this happens moving forward, 
it may be equanimity of St. Brown being active and Claypool being inactive. Yeah, there's there are zero positives you can say about Chase Claypool right now, other than his athletic traits that we never get to see. I mean, that that, that is literally it. That is a looking like a very rough, rough trade at every aspect of that. So, Lester, let's wrap it up with some final thoughts. I will let you go first as you are our esteemed guest. Just kind of your overall thoughts about this game and where, you know, you want to see this team head. Yeah, the, the post-game show is hard, man, because as you know, like me and Jeff do our day after. So we let the emotions calm, you know, but, you know, luckily this was the way it went because it was just like I, I was I was pissed off. My, my anger was over like a couple hours ago because this game was just going so bad. So luckily I'm not as emotional as I was earlier, but it's one week, you know, I mean, we got to see a lot. There are a lot of question marks and, and we had a lot of question marks going into the first week. You know, some people thought this team was, you know, going to be a, a legit contender for the division. I, I was hopeful, you know, obviously I, I hope they would. I had them at nine wins. Um, who knows? I mean, they're going to be hovering off 500 if everything goes right. This is the Justin Fields season. If he doesn't show he's the guy, if he can't make those strides, then the Bears are back, you know, trying to do it all over again. So one week, it's the Packers, so it hurts worse. Let's see what happens next week against the Bucks. Yeah, look, I'm with you. I was really agitated, and, and I don't know where my emotions are going to go. Sometimes they get worse during the week because it just festers and just makes me angrier and angrier. And by the time I do my, my podcast, my middle of the week, the Bears Banter podcast, which, by the way, Sylvie is scheduled to be a guest this week. So awesome. hopefully he'll be on Wednesday. You know, Sylvie's going to be pissed off about this yes. one as well. <laughs> so that should be a fun conversation. But sometimes things fester and I get angrier and sometimes things get better. I actually had a better mindset for this post-game show because it got so bad so quickly in the third quarter. I had the fourth quarter to mellow out a little bit and just not be as agitated. Don't get me wrong. I'm agitated. I at least expected a competitive football game. I did not expect this. I mean, when, when you see 38 to 20, you just assume Aaron Rodgers was still quarterbacking the Packers. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that you, that you expect. You don't expect it to be Jordan Love, especially when Jordan Love was very beatable very beatable today. So there were just so many frustrating things about this, but I'll tell you this bears fans. If you are still saying it's only one game and I agree, it's only one game. You know what the bears need to do? They need to go out next week and they need to beat the damn Tampa Bay Buccaneers because if they don't, then they're sitting there with the chiefs in Kansas city. Just chalk that up as a loss. I don't care what happens. I don't care if Chris Jones is playing or not. Travis Kelsey is supposed to be back next week. You're 0-3, you, you don't have hopes at a division or, or any, it, it's just not going to happen. And then you got, you know, the Broncos look better, the Vikings, I know they look bad today, but that's never easy in, in a rivalry game at the Chargers coming up. Like, there's games that are going to be difficult. You cannot just, you know, have, you're going to lose all momentum to this season, Lester, if you start off 0-3 or 1-5 or whatever it is. This Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, forget the development of Justin Fields and this team improving. If you have hope that this team can compete and fight for a playoff spot, next week's game is really important. A week two must win. Who would have thought it? Well, no, look, I don't want to overreact. To no, it, it's, again, I'm with you. They got it's, a loss in week three sitting there. A yeah. loss, and it's just sitting there. There's just no way this team is ready to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. There's just no way it's going to happen. 0-3, you try and recover from 0-3, even to get to 8-9, and 
that that's that's a long shot. Nine and eight. I mean, you get you you got to go. You know, nine and five the rest of the way with this team. It's just not going to happen, Lester. So I, I don't want to sit here and just put all my eggs in the Bucks basket here. But this is a this is a. I thought the Bears were going to win Week One, so I wasn't worried about that Chiefs game. Yeah. Even if they lost the next two, they'd be one and two. You can't be zero and three and expect to still have a positive season. Same, I'm with you. All right, everybody. For everyone listening live, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for tuning in. For those of you that, who catch the podcast and, and listen to it later, later tonight or Monday or Tuesday or whatever you get to it, we appreciate you as well. I will continue to be doing the post game show throughout the year. Of course, Lester will be involved in the podcast channel all season long with T Formation Conversation and Bear and Balance, Bear and Balance with with Jeff Burkus. So we, you've got that going. And of course, all our other great programming on the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. Make sure you follow us on, on social media, Second City Gridiron for the videos. And of course, Windy City Gridiron for all the content. Make sure you're following Lester at, at what is it, at Wiltfong? At Wiltfong JR. At Wiltfong JR. And I'm at Bill T. Zimmerman. We'll be covering you for the Bears all season long. And make sure you're checking out all the podcasts throughout the week. We will have you covered and giving you opportunities to just vent because that's what needs to happen after a game like this. It's only one game, 16 more to go, but, oh, man, it doesn't get worse than what that was. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Adios.